Hello and welcome to How Are You Holding Up, a mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Lindsay. And we're back again. We, uh, we made it. We, uh, <laughs> we're still here. We're still here. Well, we've gotten some messages and um, our Facebook has started to become more active lately. Yeah. And so we thought we would make another episode. We do have full-time jobs and um, are going through all the same things everyone's going through. So that's one of the reasons why we don't, or we haven't been as regular. Yeah, it's been exceptionally difficult lately with um, both of our mental health journeys yes. that we've been going on. Because, uh, I don't know. Lindsay, you want to you go first? Because uh, Sure. <laughs> um so I had some big changes in my life. I had a, a a job change, and then I moved back to the city and into um, my childhood home, mm-hmm. where a lot of very difficult things happened when I was younger. And uh, I went through a really bad mental health, I don't want to say crisis, but I wasn't doing well. And I needed to, even though I was going to therapy and I was... Doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. I'm not medicated though, so sometimes I get really bad lows. And yeah. um Yeah, I needed to to kind of change it up. Talking about depression and difficult topics all every week sometimes isn't super conducive to healing. So I think yeah. we need to take breaks sometimes with a podcast. We're also both pretty chronic procrastinators on occasion. No. No. Oh, really? Um, So the unfortunate reality of the situation half the time is even if we do plan something, life happens. True. And it can happen in any multitude of ways. Either we're hit by a hard depression that leaves us unable to even like focus and we disassociate for an entire day or week or month. Or (laughs) it just just... You never know. Sometimes things just pop up, and I'm sure you're all familiar with the uh, the multitudes of mental gymnastics that one can go through Yeah. when you're just trying to get by. So this episode, we're just going to take it easy. We're going to kind of talk about what we've been doing to stay afloat f- during our depression mm-hmm. and ride those waves. And if you're new to this podcast... Welcome. We have a lot more probably interesting episodes, so I recommend <laughs> kind of looking through. <laughs> uh, we, we've we been uh, trying to go through a little bit of our backlog as well lately, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of like fun just going over the topics that we have covered. Yeah, it's been a lot. Uh, it, it, so there's definitely a little something for everybody. Uh, and of course, we're always open to suggestions, even, you know, even though we've been quiet for quite a while. <laughs> Um, we have now been doing this for off and on three years, three, over, almost over three, three and a half, almost three and a half years. Yeah. Three and a half years, uh, which blew both our minds a little bit. So it also, if you are new to listening, we are not professionals. We are just two people who are afflicted as many of you are with mental health issues. Whether they are depression, ADHD, neurodiversity, and it's all of its rainbow of forms. <laughs> uh, it is it is not something that one should have to tackle alone. 
it is something that you should be able to feel supported and feel like you are going through something with others. Yes, that's actually something recently I realized through watching social media videos that not every country deals with severe depression. No. Um, There was a gal talking about how she's from South Africa and she was going to move to the States for a job and she was uh, pulled aside by, I don't know exactly who it was, but it's basically like a counselor who's helping you adjust to the new place. And she was saying, just so you know, there's this thing called depression. And she was like, what's depression? And she said, you know, I've never experienced depression in my whole life. And I don't know anybody who has. We have such a tight knit community. I'd have family and friends over every day. Sometimes they'd stay for weeks. We would make food together and party and dance together and just be so connected. And it's not all about the work. And when you do work, you share the load. And the food that they ate was of like great quality because they'd grow a lot of it and they ate very little bit of meat and you know, it was just like they were happy, they ate well, they lived well. And so then when they come to the States, we're also isolated and our work-life balance is completely topsy-turvy. And in order to cope, I think mentally and emotionally, a lot of us fall into a depression so we can survive it, honestly. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people don't know this still, but it's talked about more that depression is not just a big, big sad. It's it's a big, big numb and and like just irritation and frustration um but not even like a vibrant frustration just kind of like a frustration of oh i have to go interact with people now Mm -hmm. oh this person wants me to go to a party Ugh, i'm exhausted i don't want to yeah oh yeah Yeah. um the burnout the burnout is real uh especially for those of us like who have identified in the past as extroverts being in this covid isolation has not been the easiest. If anything, it's turned a lot of extroverts into sudden introverts. Yeah. As a means of coping. Uh, you know about that? Oh, I know about that real hard. Uh, it is one of the funniest things for me to to see myself kind of regress, in all honesty, because I used to be pretty introverted when I was a young child. When I was in, you know, before I was maybe 10 years old or so. Uh, I was very much of the opinion that I could just stay at home, play pretend, play video games, and be fine. But then I started being more social, and I started being more extroverted, and getting my endorphins from being around people, getting the dopamine where I could find it. Um, And it was really good for me to really kind of figure out, ultimately that um i could do both i could be both introverted and extroverted as the occasion called for uh maybe not necessarily easily or with you know a sudden transfer it would have to kind of take a an ebb and flow as it were Mm. and i'd have to take time in between those instances of extreme extroversion and extreme introversion uh, as a sort of transitory period, I just underwent two weeks of more or less total isolation uh, in Europe, which was great. Going on a trip that most people do when they're, you know, in their early 20s as a now 34-year-old man. <laughs> I think, you know, some backstory here. Oh, yeah. You've, you've been 
pretty um, workaholic, catatonic, mm, too, and that too socially, yeah. socially. Mm. Like when I when I would be around you or we would talk, it would I could see the glaze going over your eyes, and I know that you didn't mean anything by mm. it, but I could tell that you were just drained, yeah, of res- of social energy resources and exhausted in a way that you know just working. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've 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 become kind of uh incapable of having social energy. Um either from being in work mode almost perpetually, which I've used as a sort of uh my own coping mechanism with being out of a relationship for so long. I made work my relationship. Uh and it was the closest I had to a supportive partner <laughs> in quite a number of years. Um, and it didn't used to be that way, working as long as I did in an environment that more or less was hostile towards me. Uh, I speak, of course, of hospitality. Being in an environment where not only am I able to exceed uh my own expectations and figure and grow and adapt and change. Um, But one where I honestly kind of felt good about myself and appreciated and appreciated. And you were part of a community. You are a part of the, that community at the, at the job and everything. And, you know, without you, I don't think it would run as smoothly for certain. Yeah, I definitely had some some responses when I returned of just like <laughs> oh, oh <God."> thank god. <laughs> yeah, so it was nice. It was it was good to feel appreciated. Uh, on that same token though, it's like I don't necessarily want to be, you know, the one cog in a wheel on occasion. So right. it's understandable why right. I got as overwhelmed and overworked and overburdened as I did of my own volition on top of it. So like nobody was telling me to do things. I was just doing them. Right. Uh, which is in and and of itself a problem. And so then you decided to recharge and rejuvenate alone in a foreign country, multiple foreign (laughs) Foreign countries. countries, That's true. Uh, Countries that I did not speak the native tongue in (laughs) hardly any of them. I, I've taken two semesters of German and that's it. Uh, I, and uh, basically the equivalent of a quarter of a semester of French. I was in (laughs) no way, shape or form prepared for not being able to speak any languages other than English. And it is, it is such a difficult thing to really comprehend just how uncomfortable you will be when you do not speak another language. Like, you can imagine going somewhere that we are Americans. We have had a bountiful luxury of being if you are in a community that has like one or two languages, you can usually pick up those languages fairly easily and they can be spread out all over the place, especially somewhere like Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. There are dozens of languages spoken here on the regular, but if you don't need to go and seek out those languages, it just doesn't happen. You can make, you can get by on one language that you speak. Yeah. English is everywhere. English is everywhere. You go to Europe and they Typically speak 
two, three languages normally. <laughs> the Nayuas. <laughs> and not and, and English does not necessarily need to be one of them, but it typically sometimes is. So I was out of my comfort zone in every way possible. I was traveling in places I had never been to, using methods of transport that I had no familiarity with, mo- mostly trains, because uh, trains in America suck shit. And I keep getting reminded of it the more I keep looking at train schedules out here where I'm like, oh, I, I really enjoyed traveling on trains. I'd love to. That's 35 hours to get to Portland. Yeah. In Europe, that same distance would take less than 14 hours. Yeah. Which is insane. But what did it do, do you think, for your mental health? It forced me to really pay attention to everything. I wasn't necessarily able to be comfortable on my vacation. I was able to eventually find some semblance of peace when I would be completely alone on a hike, removed from civilization, and in some cases, removed from all ability to be helped if something went bad. Not something I recommend, mind you, but it was something I felt I needed to do. Um, I went to remote corners. I went places that I only found on the map because I was looking for them. And being so withdrawn from society and being able to take an account of myself, who I was, what I was doing, why I was there, and not be distracted it was necessary yeah it, it it really solidified how easily i distract myself from actually doing anything to better myself which sucks it's easy to fall into the old disassociation patterns too for me at yeah. least i know that like i struggle with i think video games are wonderful and you know fun and necessary in this day and age i do i think i do it too much though i think that you know if i spent a little more time crafting or going out on hikes or going traveling with my friends and instead of just being like i don't want to do this very difficult other thing i'm gonna just go sit down and play xyz yep um and i think Something we've talked about in the past is also like how to get out of your your funk, how to get out of your depression. Mm-hmm. Can you fix it with, you know, we've done experiments like we did a float tank. Yeah. And we've done um, B12 shots, which were kind of crazy. And actually, I should probably go do that again. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, it is a sh- like shocking your system in some way. Um, I know that some people talk about doing like ice baths that can shock your literal, like you, you reset your mm-hmm. vagus nerve. I don't know exactly the science behind it. Yeah. I'll have to do another talk on it later, but like getting very, very, very cold is supposed to be very good for you. Um, hmm. But I know that for me, you know, I thought, I thought <laughs> foolishly that um, living close to my friends and close to all my creature comforts and in a larger home and doing the stuff that I really wanted to with um, voiceover was going to make me all happy and fixed and everything was going to be great. You know, and you, and I forget that it's just me 
stuck in, in, in me still, you know, just going to have the old problems, going to have the old depressions, going to have the mm-hmm. old um, hyper-focuses and forgetfulness and disappointments in myself. And so when I moved into this house, um, I didn't do well. I didn't set up my voiceover booth. I didn't, I couldn't focus. And I wanted so badly to unpack everything and get the house cozy and decorate it and I just haven't been able to. And even now it's not uh, up to where I want it to be at all. And um, my voiceover booth is not made still. And so I was like, you know what? This isn't working. And I picked up some freelancing Mm -hmm. just to get out of the house, just to get out of my comfort zone, meet some new people, make a little bit of money. Well, I mean, you also moved into a house that you have a lot of history with and not all of it particularly great. Yeah, it's it's my family's home that we're renting my family and I would say the majority of the trauma that I experienced I experienced while living in this home and I didn't think about how that would affect me living there like I was worried about it but I wasn't horribly concerned you thought you could handle it I thought I'd handle it you know I go to therapy I have friends it would be okay you know the the good would outweigh the bad you'd make new memories there too on top of it that would replace fill it with love and happiness yeah of course and Um, well, it just we filled we filled it with stress. <laughs> oh no! No, it was you know it's it's hard because uh, it wasn't an empty home that we moved into. We moved into a home that was full of you know my uh, my family's furniture and stuff still. Yeah. So even though it's a it's a house, it's still like every drawer pretty much still had stuff in it. So for my brain, it was overwhelming because I had all this stuff, my partner and my stuff, Mm -hmm. and then there was still stuff there. And then it was like all this laundry. And so, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And I am not, I keep thinking like, I'm a mentally well person that only sometimes has depression and only sometimes has ADHD. Yeah. And I forget that, no, I always have ADHD. I always am in some kind of mental, I've, I don't think I have been just like in a normal, mentally healthy place. Maybe ever in my life, yeah. I've had better times for sure. Sure. Um, but I don't handle things like a normal person. And I didn't really realize any of this because, you know, when you're yourself, you don't know how weird you are. Sure, of course. And then, you know, you, you have like therapy for long term and they can really start picking up on shit and you start dive, which we all should dive into mental health. In general, we should know more about it, yeah. all of us, individually. Um, I mean, and what's, it's helpful. Yeah, what's like a normal coping tactic and all this stuff. And then I started figuring out that, you know, I have sensory overload issues. Mm-hmm. I have random, like, angry moments that I remember something that was really hurtful and upsetting in my past. And I just get, like, furious, storm around. It's mm-hmm. super unhelpful and could, not conducive to yeah, I feel living that. adult life. I don't know how people have children and have a job and have a pet and have a house and keep it decently clean. I don't know how people do any of that stuff. Like, I can barely do a couple of those things. I can relate on a multitude of levels there. One, uh, you moving into the house, being close to friends, feeling the idea of like, well, it'll be a fix-all. Yeah. That was also one of the impetus for me leaving for Europe. And then it was like, oh, this isn't this isn't what I thought at all. I spent two days. My first two days that I was in Europe, I literally spent in the hotel room uh, full of anxiety, self-loathing, and feeling over and over again, this was a mistake. I've made a mistake. I should not be here. Oh, God, everything is wrong. Everything is off. I can't do this. Immediately yeah. after. 
Um, yeah. That did not clear up until I got a rental car uh, after taking a train and literally not having any opportunity to do anything but what needed to be done. I removed all abilities for myself to be comfortable. And that was when things actually started changing. Yeah, I wonder if that was... Because when I was living up in the mountains, our internet would go out sometimes. Yep. Like for a day or two. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't play my video games. I couldn't go on, you know, TikTok. I couldn't do all these things. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw on an audiobook that I have downloaded. I'm going to do all the cleaning right now, mm -hmm. you know? And I just don't have that opportunity here. It's like there's almost too much luxury. Yeah. You know, I need to like... I need to downsize. I'm I, like all those words, those big, like minimalism, downsizing, you know, all that shit is like, that's true, man. There is too much stuff in my life and it is stressing me the fuck out. <laughs> Seriously. Every time I think about it and I consider the opportunities of just like, well, I could go on a hike. I could go somewhere and do some exercise. I could make I could make food. I could make an actual food, not I a could make a meal. Like like a meal, not a not just like microwave a fucking frozen pizza. I could do something more. Yep. But but and that's one of the things that I've been I think now now I'm like romanticizing the concept of not living in a place that isn't beautiful. Like if I when you live somewhere where it is beautiful and there are hikes readily available all around you, will you go all the time? No, because you'll still have your weird problems and you'll stay inside the house a lot. But you do feel different and there is like, hey, friends, let's go on this thing. So whenever anybody would visit me up in the mountains, we would go for like a really beautiful walk or a hike usually. Yeah. Um unless it was a party or something. Sure, and sure, sure. so that's the thing is like in the city where we live, it's like, oh, I don't want to go to a club. I don't want to go to a really busy restaurant. No. I don't want to go hike in the 100 degree weather where there's no beautiful trees. There's just ugly shrubbery or and lots dust. of burnt trees. A lot of burnt trees. Yeah. Those that's when it gets real like, oh yeah, let me go take a walk at the cider sap fucking no burnt bad. forest. I don't know. I I yeah. had something more cre creative and clever there, but my brain just shat it. So <laughs> I I think that I do, I wish, I wish we lived somewhere where it was, you know, just easy to go, hey, let's let's go to a cabin this weekend and go fishing or something. You know, yeah. We don't have that. But ultimately, I mean, in the end of it, like, we are ultimately responsible for what we do with our time. And it's something that is hard to reconcile with. Yeah, because it's easy to feel like you're a victim. Yeah. It's easy to feel like, well, this and this isn't fair. And then we blame ourselves on get, top of it, which is something I'm particularly bad with. Of, I literally, just in my therapy session yesterday, had a whole conversation about why I feel like I shouldn't be in a relationship right now. And that came down to my therapist just going... You're blaming yourself for things that you shouldn't be blaming yourself for. Yeah, and I think we're both, we both think that there's a time and a place to date. Like, you, there are times where you should not be dating. There are times sure. you should work on yourself and yep. you should get your ducks in a row and mm -hmm. et cetera. But I'm telling Chris, as we were talking about before this, he sh it's time, time to yep. date, time to stop. It's time for me to try at least. Because yeah. um, if anything, like, yeah, no, I, I one, I, I do typically do better in relationships than out of them. That's something I know is true for myself. But more importantly, I've also just, 
my reasons for not pursuing relationships are based out of fear, a uh, fear of loss and a fear of, uh, just of pain, either giving or receiving. Uh, and that we, when you enter into any relationship, whether it's a romantic one, a friendship, a anything, there is always the possibility, there is always the, well, not even possibility, the inevitability of loss. There is no eternity, there is no forever, there is just what we have now, and we take that and what we do with that is what we just call our life. Whether that is a net positive or a net negative, it's, you know, we are ultimately the ones who are capable of doing things about it. it you know, that's the crazy thing. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, please. Um, that's the crazy thing is like, you can get real healthy and in a really good spot mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. alone. Yeah. And then you start dating and the weirdest stuff comes up, mm -hmm. you know, and then I, I got into a healthy relationship that I'm still in and the weirdest stuff has come up, not because of any fault of my partners, but you know, like we would be having a perfectly nice, romantic, lovely evening. And then I'd be like, yeah, he's going to die probably tomorrow mm -hmm. on the way home from work. Like, and I would imagine yeah. this awful scenario and then me having to mourn this person that I finally found love and I finally was in a healthy relationship and then he died. And I think a big reason for those thoughts is because I'm not good at being happy. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't know how to do that easily because no. whenever something good would happen, um, something absolutely horrific would happen very shortly after. Yes. And that was my experience in relationships and it was a lot of my experience in friendship too. Yeah. So my brain creates scenarios or, you know, self, uh, what's it called? Self-destructive Yeah, self-sabotage. Self-sabotage, that's yeah. what it is, you know. And you have to be very aware of what I'm doing, how I'm reacting. Yep. And it's it's odd and it's not natural. And that's the other thing is a lot of people, you know, they say that relationships are work and um, sure. that a good one should be easy. And it's like, yes, but the amount of work that I've had to do to be a good partner for this person has been uh, hard. Yeah. And it's has been a lot of humbling experiences and a lot of apologizing and over communicating and I think I can see why it's difficult for some people who've never had therapy. Like, how do you how do you be in a relationship when you don't know how to communicate about what's wrong with you? When you've been in a relationship also that has been either toxic yeah. or abusive or any combination of the aforementioned, um, it always makes it more difficult yeah. because your coping mechanisms are not necessarily easily translated in a healthy relationship and the things that have helped you survive the things that have helped you get through what would otherwise be horrific experiences partners who have not experienced it you it's confusing you, for it's them. confusing and yeah. it's 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 hard to parse um Especially if it's the other way around also, where you are the one who has had the coping mechanisms. To, you've, been, you've been able to kind of take what you've learned and maybe you see something that could become problematic. You try to ford the river, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, 
it can't always be picked up or it can be misconstrued. Yeah. Or you start seeing, you start hearing hooves and you think expecting a zebra when a horse is more likely, that kind of deal. Or it's like, oh, like you were saying, your nightmare scenarios. Yeah. Those are projections of, well, yes, I'm being happy, but that's going to end soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obviously. And, that, and that's something I think we need to be aware of as people who have not only depression, but yep. trauma and relationship trauma. Is, oh, is yeah. You've got to allow yourself to be happy mm-hmm. and sit in the discomfort of it, you know. And mm-hmm. I and that circling back, like you have to be okay with making yourself uncomfortable for growth. Yep. You're not going to grow out of being depressed. No. Unfortunately. You can definitely, you know, sure, we can all just sit and just wait for things to happen. And then all of a sudden, oh boy, it's better, right? Right? That's, <sighs> no, that's never been the case, guys. I'm sorry to tell you. Nobody has ever gotten better just by sitting, sitting around. And, and and it's really hard yeah. on top of it. Like, we're not saying this is easy. I'm not, not saying, oh boy, it was so simple for me to just get up and go to Europe. Right. Like, that didn't make anything easier. And it wasn't an easy time on top of it to even begin to try and convince myself that that was okay to do. Right. That was the funniest part was I was trying to convince myself that it was okay to do. But I've noticed a huge difference in your, I don't know, demeanor. And you even look different. Yeah. Your coloring is better, as I, it were. I, I mean, <laughs> I did I did go outside for two weeks straight, so that did help. Um, but ultimately, I mean, yeah, it, it did, uh, it, you know, it, Fuck it. It did help. It it, did help. it 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 helped me to better see what a miserable son of a bitch I was yeah. and that I could actively allow good things to happen in my life. Which is not easy to say. And boy, my therapist will be happy when <laughs> she hears that. Uh Yay. <laughs> but honestly, I I I do. I deserve I deserve to be happy, and I hate using the word deserve. That's how that's how much it's boiled into my brain. I hate thinking that I deserve to be happy. Like, I shouldn't hate that. That should be a natural instinct for human beings. I just want <laughs> to be able to be happy. Like, yeah. you know, it's funny because I don't experience that, oh, man, I don't deserve it. Like, I'm a piece of trash. It's more mm. like, I just want to feel something. Yeah. You know, like, and and I don't want it to go away as soon as I feel it. Yeah. Because that's, that's what it feels like for me is I'll feel super in love with my partner and then I feel, I feel it. Yeah. And then it's gone in this mist of oh, yeah. nothingness. And I, and I don't want that to happen over and over. And, um, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, gotta talk to my therapist more. Probably. I do it almost weekly. It's been a few weeks now, so. Yeah. Got to work on, on maybe maintaining feelings. Yeah. Like, I disassociate so hard that I I just drift. Yeah. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. My disassociations are so, like. And it's subtle, you know? It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm disassociating. It's like, ah, uh, a couple of weeks have gone by and I don't 
know if I felt much of any of that. I don't really remember what I did. Yeah, no, I can't remember a goddamn thing <laughs> yeah. I did. Uh, I, it just kind of, everything just happened, and it didn't necessarily happen to me or near, it mm-hmm. happened near me. Definitely happened near me. I, I was there. I was there. At least I know I was there. I, I can't tell you for sure what there was, but it was there and it happened. Time progressed. <laughs> but in, in short, we've been both working on our mental health, doing things that are uncomfortable to help us get out of it. Um, I was very communicative with my friends when I went into my depression and yep. I like kind of left a D&D group and anybody who was curious, I told them I'm just feeling really depressed and not like a part of anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm removing myself from the situation. Everyone's like, no, I think you should come back, <laughs> which was really sweet. And yep. that helped. So community helps. Getting uncomfortable helps. Yep. And we, uh, we're happy to start up this podcast again. Yeah. This podcast helps. It's going to be, it's going to be good. And we're going to stick to it for realsies. Cause at least until, you know, until the next time life happens, <laughs> vanish off the face of the earth again. But you know what? We're going to try and make that not yeah. immediately after. Commitment. So that's, that's what, our promise to you. We will try. We will try. We will always try. And we hope that you all are trying your best, doing what you can for yourself and for anybody who's in your life that may be going through this level of shit. You're there for them. We're here for you. We got this. We're going we're gonna to fucking survive. The end. The end. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. And we hope that you're doing well in this holiday season. We will probably be talking about holiday, uh, what's it called? Uh, seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, I think again. I think, I think we'll talk about that again, and I think we might also want to talk about um, toxic families, uh, yeah. and just uh, blood being thicker than water or not. Not necessarily the case. Don't Those kind you of fun know things. That you're toxic. <laughs> we'll be talking about the Britney Spears song. It'll be amazing. <laughs> uh, and as always, don't, don't tell, tell us to just get, get over it. it.